I remember the cries of Caesar's war horns chasing us over the darkened fields of Latium, their yearning, keening howls like animals on heat, and how, when they stopped, there was only the slither of our shoes on the icy road and the urgent panting of our breath. It was not enough for the immortal gods that Cicero should be spat at and reviled by his fellow citizens, not enough that in the middle of the night he be driven from the hearths and altars of his family and ancestors, not enough even that, as we fled from Rome on foot, he should look back and see his house in flames. To all these torments they deemed it necessary to add one further refinement, that he should be forced to hear his enemy's army striking camp on the field of Mars. Even though he was the oldest of our party, Cicero kept up the same fast pace as the rest of us. Not long ago he had held Caesar's life in the palm of his hand. He could have crushed it as easily as an egg. Now their fortunes led them in entirely opposite directions. While Cicero hurried south to escape his enemies, the architect of his destruction marched north to take command of both provinces of Gaul. He walked with his head down, not uttering a word, and I imagined it was because he was too full of despair to speak. Only at dawn, when we rendezvoused with our horses at Bovelai and were about to embark on the second stage of our escape, did he pause with his foot in the doorway of his carriage and say suddenly, Do you think we should turn back? The question caught me by surprise. I don't know, I said. I hadn't considered it. Well, consider it now. Tell me, why are we fleeing Rome? Because of Clodius and his mob. And why is Clodius so powerful? Because he's a tribune and can pass laws against you. And who made it possible for him to become a tribune? I hesitated. Caesar. Exactly. Caesar. Do you imagine that man's departure for Gaul at that precise hour was a coincidence? Of course not. He waited till his spies had reported I'd left the city before ordering his army to move. Why? I'd always assumed his advancement of Clodius was to punish me for speaking out against him. But what if his real aim all along was to drive me out of Rome? What scheme requires him to be certain I've gone before he can leave too? I should have grasped the logic of what he was saying. I should have urged him to turn back. But I was too exhausted to reason clearly. And, if I am honest, there was more to it than that. I was too afraid of what Clodius's thugs might do to us if they caught us re-entering the city. So, instead, I said, It's a good question, and I can't pretend I have the answer. But wouldn't it look indecisive, after bidding goodbye to everyone, suddenly to reappear? In any case, Clodius has burned your house down now. Where would we return to? Who would take us in? I think you'd be wiser to stick to your original plan and get as far away from Rome as you can. He rested his head against the side of the carriage and closed his eyes. In the pale grey lights, I was shocked by how haggard he appeared after his night on the road. His hair and beard had not been cut for weeks. He was wearing a toga dyed black. Although he was only in his forty-ninth year, these public signs of mourning made him look much older, like some ancient, mendicant, holy man. After a while he sighed. I don't know, Tiro. Perhaps you're right. 
It's so long since I slept. I'm too tired to think any more. And so the fatal error was made. More through indecision than decision, and we continued to press on southwards for the remainder of that day and for the twelve days that followed, putting what we thought was a safe distance between ourselves and danger. We travelled with a minimal entourage to avoid attracting attention, just the carriage driver and three armed slaves on horseback, one in front and two behind. A small chest of gold and silver coins that Atticus, Cicero's oldest and closest friend, had provided to pay for our journey was hidden under our seat. We stayed only in the houses of men we trusted, no more than a night in each, and steered clear of those places where Cicero might have been expected to stop, for example at his seaside villa at Formier, the first place any pursuers would look for him, and along the Bay of Naples, already filling with the annual exodus from Rome in search of winter sun and warm springs. Instead, we headed as fast as we could towards the toe of Italy.